0: you think. Welcome to the I work ram zone. I hope you're never the same. And so in order to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual and the biblical ways to challenge the way you think about your faith and work today, I'm bringing on a pastor. That's right. You know, did you guys know that pastors have jobs? And and a lot of pastors are going, no kidding, I work really hard. A lot of people don't think about pastors and their struggle to bring Christ into their workplace because it's just expected to be easy. And so we've got Chris Hayden with us from South Shore. United Methodist Church. I actually said that without stumbling, although I still stumble while I said it while I wasn't stumbling. And we're going to talk about the story of Jacob and self-reliance. And really, as Chris spoke today at the Christian Chamber of Commerce of Tampa Bay, and you can find out more about them at c 3 tborg he shared so much about us becoming dependent on God. And the story of Jacob is one of those great... I'm independent, I can do anything on my own, and God says, really? Watch this, and he touches his hip, and Jacob's life was never the same, and it was so much better after that moment. Chris Hayden, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're, I'm, we're glad to have you here, and I hope at the end of the show you still feel the same way. You know, it said, <laughs> it said in uh, Genesis 27, verse 36, it said, Esau exclaimed, No wonder his name is Jacob. For now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he's stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? That just really describes Jacob. It was an amazing story, but it 's also an amazing story of redemption because Jacob turns out to be a pretty incredible guy. He really does oh, yeah. he really does okay, so Chris, as we do with every guest before we even get into anything out there and talk about what you talked about today at the chamber, I want to hear how's Jesus Christ making an impact on your life today
1: today specifically uh, well um
0: I, uh, well today relative I'm just I'm not talking <laughs> about 20 years ago I'm talking about how's Christ making an impact in your life right now
1: uh, I've been I've been on this journey for uh, more or less for several several years uh, but especially in the past mm, three years of uh, I grew up in the church in the Methodist Church since I was in eighth grade um, I I had a great youth director and a great youth program I learned a lot about God from the church that I grew up in And felt my calling to be a pastor In that atmosphere And when I got into adulthood I, um, I found that I was Doing faith rather than Living faith And so in the past maybe three years or so uh, through some pretty serious disappointments in my life, some uh, failed relationships and things not going the way I wanted them to in my career and in, in uh, financially, things like that, I, I found myself in this place where I didn't actually like God. I loved God. I was with God. I had f- I, I'd been taught to live a faithful life, but I didn't like him very much. And uh, rather than kind of doing and and saying all the right things, I, I found myself in this really kind of broken, vulnerable moment uh, where I finally was honest with God. And I didn't pray, oh, Lord, help my unbelief. And, and not that that's a bad prayer, but for me, it had become rote. It had become just words I was saying and not really feeling. And in these this kind of pivotal moment, I finally got really honest with God and I prayed a very angry prayer actually it, it was a it was a prayer that called God out, so to speak, that I, I was upset with him for not being the God that I wanted him to be, <laughs> and instead he was the God he is, you know and uh and some something in that set me on this journey uh, that i <sighs> I today have a more sincere and more authentic and genuine relationship with God my father than I ever have in my whole life and for the past 3 years I've been on this increase in my my sincerity in the way that I interact with God and and I I think the people around me would say the same that that they've felt a, a more sincere and more genuine shift in how I relate with people. And I certainly feel it on myself, but how I relate with myself even has changed. I, I like myself more for the person that God made me to be rather than trying to be this person that I think other people think I'm supposed to be. Uh, there's, there's a peace and a joy that comes from being me as God intended. That I didn't have for a very, very long time.
0: Well, I talk often on the show about, you know, when people truly meet Christ, their lives are never the same again. When you read the scriptures, every time somebody's life was intersected by Christ, their lives were never the same and its documented. I mean, it was it was it was 100, it was one eighty including the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and say, Hey, what do I got to do? And Jesus said, well, just give away everything. And he said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. His life was never the same, right? His life was never the same. And you hope that he was one of the people that, you know, after the day of the Pentecost or in the future, gave his life to Christ or trusted Christ as, as his Lord and savior. But you don't know, but everybody who met Christ,
1: their lives were never the same. Well, and I, I think that there's absolutely what you said is true. And also, For those of it's not a one and done thing for those of us who have had experiences like that. (laughs) I can I can count multiple experiences like that in my life where where God has interceded. And I I I have got this phrase that I say uh, something outside of me reached inside of me. And did for me what I could not do for myself. And there are several moments in my life where, and, and, you know, we have all these kind of very uh, well thought out, very intelligent, philosophical arguments for who God is and why scripture is true. But nothing in my experience beats those moments. Where I, I was certain that there was a loving father who healed me mm-hmm. and did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. I, I, again, I, I love that because what you're saying
0: is that nobody can refute what God has done in your life. Absolutely. Because, yeah. you, I mean, you can argue about all kinds of things, but you can't argue what Christ has done in my life because I can tell you my life has never been the same. Mm-hmm. But I love that that that, that 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 there's been lots of moments that were watershed moments in your life. And that that's part of the walk and and I joke I was joking at the chamber today. You know somebody was saying, "Well, it's taking a little longer than I that." I said, yes, yeah, because we we live in a microwave world but we serve a crockpot god." He's really, <laughs> in, uh, uh, he's really interested in uh he's really interested in uh, and how we are long term, and, and he's so interested in a deepness of relationship. Hey, you know we've got a very we've got an opportunity for a very special guest to join us on the show for just a couple minutes. Hey, Lynn and I just dropped off a two year cake to celebrate I Work for Him's two year anniversary. Lynn, please come in the studio here for just a second. All right. So, Chris, I don't know if you got to meet Lynn earlier, but what's really special. Uh, that's let's just have her come in. come in Lynn put on put on some headphones for a second and talk to us you're unbelievable she brought me a Mountain Dew as only a good friend could do is bring me a Mountain Dew and and submit to uh, just making me corrupted you know, Lynn you've got an incredible story and and really this month you and I share another anniversary two years ago I was interviewing you for a job that's correct and I didn't get it, did and, I? And you didn't get You weren't right for the job. But what was so cool, Lynn, and I'm just so glad you stopped by, and I know that you, you've been such a great friend to Martha and I, but what is so cool is the Lord woke me up that next day and said, yeah, I know Lynn wasn't right for the job, but you need to have a cup of coffee with her. And so I reached out to you, and we had a cup of coffee at Starbucks over there in Largo and Walsingham. And, and in in seven minutes, we had had enough of a conversation. I looked you in your eyes and said, Lynn, the issue is, well, that was Chris's water, but now it's Lynn's water. It's a can of mine. <laughs>
2: the, the issue is you just need Jesus. H- how's your life been different since then? Changed my world. Completely changed my world on that day. I thought I had him in my life, having been Catholic my whole life and practicing Catholic, going to church, communion, confession, everything, uh, confirmation. And I was intimidated by that church, going to that church, because it is so big. And when my family reacted, I, I learned very quickly that it doesn't matter what religion you are or what church you go to, it's your relationship with the Lord. And my life in the last two years has changed incredibly, and it seems like throughout the day I just want to tell everybody I come in contact with that how, how he has affected my world, my life, and you just want to have that impression and share him with everybody. That you it, it was such an incredible privilege for Martha and I to
0: come alongside of you and and help you f- see what the difference Christ can make in your life and just be a part of it. I mean, because I'd known of you for years. I'd known your father because he had sold us our home. Uh, but it was such a great thing. And I just wanted to celebrate just, uh, you know, congratulations. Two years of seeking the Lord, two years of walking with the Lord, two years of really reaching out. You, know, you took that challenge two years ago. I said, here, go to my wife's bookstore She's got a Bible for you. I want you to read the book of John, and we'll get back together again for a cup of coffee. And your life's never been the same since
2: then. And I just want to thank you for trusting us. Well, thank you, because since that day, every single thing I think, say, and do has changed. And it, it, it's not even hard work. He makes it so easy when you ask him to be your light it it works and it's it's become second nature. You don't even have to think about our work. He just flows right through your actions, right through your, your words. And it's absolutely blown me away every day. It's incredible. I am thrilled. I couldn't be more thankful to you and Martha. Uh, for that day and well, for not getting that job, work. <laughs> it was And, and it was, I'm grateful. I'm just grateful. I just think it's hilarious.
0: I'll never forget that day as long as I live. I'm grateful for your support, for I work for him and for your friendship. For the Mountain Dew, you're constantly supplying me. You know, drug paraphernalia, Mountain Dew, <laughs> two liter Mountain Dews. Anyway, I'm going to get in trouble with Martha later. But thanks, that just thanks for stopping by the studio today. Thanks for being part of our lives. And thanks for giving God glory with your life and
2: for trusting Christ to be your Savior. Such your privilege keep going strong and thank you for all you do on the i work for him show i've seen it since its inception as you know and it's just the best show on christian radio I only wish big things for you and national one day well thanks Lynn. Thanks, thanks for, for stopping for by so thank you jim all right
0: see you thanks, thanks Lynn. Guys. All right, Chris, as you were at the chamber today and you were talking uh, about just so many different things. But when I read your bio, you know, you let's just we'll, go, we'll get we'll go fun here for just a second. In your bio, it says you're really a big nerd with movies, books and video games. Yes, this is true.
1: Wh- what's your favorite type of movie? Favorite type of movie? Yeah. I, you know, uh, I really, really, really love a big like blockbuster millions of dollars into special effects. You I mean you lot- like Waterworld?
0: That was a blockbuster, you know 250000000 I
1: million? Don't I tell like, me you I'm like sh- Waterworld. I'm ashamed to admit it. <laughs> I did. I mean, I was young when it came out, but I did. I really liked And then uh, he had another one, The Postman. I, that and I, that I liked, one I missed. Oh, they were terrible. They were terrible, but I, I did. I liked them both. But, like, you know, the Avengers, the X-Men movies, all the... Oh, man, I'm I'm a sucker for those. I love those movies. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, books. What type of books do you like? Uh, I usually... Kind of the same. Uh, nothing too serious. Nothing too abstract. But... Uh, Although I, I, you know, I enjoyed like the Lord of the Flies when I was in school and I enjoyed, you know, Great Gatsby, all the kind of the typical high school books. But as an adult, I've found that what I really like is like paperback fiction, kind of uh, cheap Cheap novels, cheap uh, fiction that's really entertaining and not too engaging intellectually. I find a lot of my work. So is, you can just escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of my work is kind of intellectually and emotionally draining. So usually when that's I go being to a pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I have to be just so I don't get in trouble. And the United Methodist Church, uh, they reserve the term pastor for people who are ordained. And uh, so I, I do. I'm a director of youth. I'm a director of worship. But they, they use the director. Of, I just, just in case there's any people who are deciding. Just <laughs> in case my there's fate. any police so, out there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know in other denominations they use like youth pastor, worship pastor. Sure. And so the term applies in that sense. But uh, well, you're a minister then. So yeah. we'll just call
0: you. A, you're a minister. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Because and you but, can call but, me pastor all you want. I, I well, I'm, I, I think, well, what you do, do you pastor? Yeah. You yeah, probably I, do. Yeah. Yeah. By definition. All right. So you also said that you're a big nerd about video games. Which one's your favorite?
1: Oh, it's or hard what, pick. Okay. What do you like the most? Well, right now I'm playing a game called, it's called Pillars of Eternity. It's a, it's like a top-down role-playing. It's highly nerdy. It's- That's, that's it's cool. See, I never got into dragons. video
0: games because I started programming computers in 79 and- so, I spent so much time on the computers when I was done, the last thing I wanted to do was right. touch a computer. know yeah. it just was it was so unbelievable so all right, so when we come back, I really want to dig in deep into what you talked about today uh, about the story of Jacob and how his life turned around and, and for him to become dependent on God through that wrestling, very similar to your story, I mean very similar to mm-hmm. your story where you were. Yeah, you just weren't where you're at. Well, you were deep in religion. I mean, you yes. were you were you were you were you were living religion mm-hmm. instead of living in faith. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, it's tough because I actually had in your chair several. Well, last year or the year before, I had a pastor, a guy that had been a pastor for eight years, and then he came to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's tough because there's a lot of religion can hold you on for a little while, but. After a while, you get to realize that religion just leaves you just as empty as fake relationships and money and possessions. I mean, it, it, religion isn't what solves the issue. It's relationship that solves the issue. Right. So, well, how transformational was that for you? I mean, are you, you're in seminary now, right? Yeah, Asbury I'm right Asbury at the Seminary. Tail end. Yeah. Uh, getting your MDiv then, mm-hmm. or okay, so, whew, that's tough stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's so how's a long your Greek?
1: Uh, I can read it sometimes. <laughs> I use a lot of software to help me. Yeah, they didn't have that. My brother's got a doctorate and I'm like,
0: really, that's good for you because I'm never doing that. But as a minister who's going to be a pastor, how much of a struggle is it to fight the religion around you so you can help people seek a relationship?
1: Oh, it's it's tempting all the time, because uh, especially for pastors, we want to uh, control numbers. We want to have big, successful churches. And uh, and and, you know, it's never black and white. There's there's usually altruism. I want to serve God. I want to reach the masses. But man. The temptation to make a name for ourselves Is is hard to resist This
0: very special edition Second anniversary for the I Work For Him show And yes, we're listening about you, you You've you been changed, and that's me You know, we, we had Lynn Iwanaita She popped in on here, we, and Chris Hayden's here with me today uh, and, and all of us When we met Jesus, our lives have never been The same again And that's what this show is all about We need to take that transformational change That's happened in our lives And we need to bring it to the workplace each and every day and share that with people through the way we serve them, through the way we love them, through the way we pray for them, and then we, when we get the opportunity through the ways we pray with them. We're going to turn Tampa Bay around for the Lord and we're going to do it one workplace at a time. More on the I Work For Him Nation. I'm looking for people to join the I Work For Him Nation. We'll talk about at the end of the show. Hey, I'd like to thank so much the Christian Chamber of Commerce for bringing us that integrity moment as they do each and every day. Alright, we're talking with Chris Hayden, worship pastor, worship minister at south shore united methodist church we're talking about the story of jacob and becoming dependent on god you know right before the break we talked about how religion often gets in your way chris and when we come back after the book segment i want to talk more about that because people are really struggling religion gets in the way of relationship all the time and it doesn't matter whether you're baptist presbyterian methodist catholic you can name them all they all religion gets in the way of relationship, isn't that true
1: yeah I, I I don't know that it's as black and white as we would like to think oh no i'm a, I'm just a black and white guy I agree <laughs> I'm just a black and white guy, so I, you know that religion does good things for people. it provides structure where we need it, but you're right there there are so many times when uh, we get stuck and wrapped up in doing the things rather than living the life. Alright, it's time for our book highlight segment
0: brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for 30 years. Founded with the desire to get Bibles into the hands of the new believer, the ministry continues now stronger than ever. Located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Tim Road in Largo, there are 2400 square foot stores open to the public seven days a week. That's every day. Check them out online at shopcaris.com, shop C-H-A-R-I-S dot com Be the first person to call into the studio line today at 855-265-2929 855-265 29, 29, and I'll send you a copy of my favorite book, Halftime. That's right, Halftime. If you're a Christ follower and you're in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, you need to read this book. It's all about a paradigm shift and how you look at your workplace. It changed my life. It will change yours. No, it's not a replacement for the scriptures. It's an addition. It's fantastic. It's one guy's life story. You need to read it. It's written by Bob Buford. Hey, what is it that you desire? A meaningless life focused on quote-unquote success, which is impossible to measure, and there's and how much would satisfy? Oh, just a little bit more? No, instead, should you you should be desiring the life your Heavenly Father designed for you, destined in significance. So call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And remember, you need to read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Hi, we're back live and in studio with Chris Hayden from South Shore United Methodist Church. He's the worship minister. He does the singing, the dance, and everything up on stage. That's right. Get in front of the microphone.
1: That's right. I just said you danced on stage. You probably don't do that, though. I, I actually have been known to dance on stage. And they let you get away with that. Oh, yeah. There's dancing in, in our church, for that's, sure. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And and isn't we were talking right before the uh, before the book highlight segment about how religion can get in the way, and you said, okay, religion does provide some structure, but... But but structure is what often gets a, us. We 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 put God in a box. It's that structure that causes people to put to limit the power
1: of God. Yeah, we. I mean, it can. It, can, it certainly can, and and often does, especially in our kind of Western American paradigm of you know. When you go overseas uh, and look at the church that is growing like wildfire, you see less of this. But here in America, we've we've got this propensity to want to control, and especially a God who, and I said this at the chamber, we don't agree what good is. Me and God don't have the same idea of good, which is a good thing, because if I could understand what God meant by good, then God (laughs) is way too small. Well, if you could understand what God meant by good, you'd be God. Right. And you're not. Exactly. And so we have this kind of tendency to defend against this God who is bigger than us, by trying to control. Yeah, stifling. It's one of those
0: things. Which we try to stifle our incredible Heavenly Father. All right, we're back live and in studio with Chris Hayden stout from South Shore United Methodist Church. He's the worship minister. He's helping people every day enjoy the Lord through music, and you're working with youth, and, it, and it's part of your story. I mean, mm-hmm. you, and, but your story isn't one of those perfect stories. No. no you, had, you had some rough times in your life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I grew up uh, in a. It was mostly me and my mom. My parents divorced when I was three years old. And you, when, I'm just going to stop there for a second. You know, I, Martha and I work with a lot of married couples,
0: and we've worked unfortunately with some that decided to get divorced. And a lot of times, and if there's kids involved, we always challenge them and say, "Would you please consider the children?" And a lot of times they say, "Ah, the kids will be fine. Kids are
1: resilient." Was that the case for you? Well, I can I can definitely say that it it would have been better if the the kind of personality flaws in both my dad and my mom if they had decided to work through those and become whole better healed people then man all three of us would have been in a much better situation uh for whatever reason they reached a point where they couldn't they they felt like they couldn't make that happen couldn't or wouldn't yeah well you know and it's it's hard to speak to them but and i i always struggle with this because my mom had a She's bipolar. She, that she's been diagnosed now, and I don't know enough about the how that works. I, I don't know if that means that she just can't get better. Or, I, I, I don't. I don't believe in things that are that. Uh, permanent that that can't be healed, and and especially now you know my mom's we're in a great place now we've our reckon our relationship has been reconciled um, she's received a lot of healing I've received a lot of healing things are great uh, but certainly growing up without my dad present uh, me and my mom who is bipolar it, it was very insecure I didn't know what I was going to get when I came home or when she came home and and it caused a lot of coping and and I developed a lot of different kind of problems in the way that I related mostly in in romantic relationship that followed me into adulthood sure and so I found myself at the end of a lot of failed relationships because I was trying to in demanding ways get the people in my life mostly in my relationships with women to affirm me and make me whole which is a completely unfair and unrealistic demand to make of anyone. Right. Cause, Cause it's impossible. Only God can do that. Right. And so I'm literally demanding that people do for me something that they cannot hope to ever do and resenting them. And so at a, at a, at a pivotal encounter at the end of several relationships, um, I had this encounter with God where I finally stripped away the, The things I was taught to say, the things that I thought about God, and I got very honest with how I felt about God. And I discovered that I was very angry, that I felt like God had abandoned me. Because when I was a child, I grew up in the church. It wasn't like I, I encountered this abuse in the absence of faith. It wasn't like I wasn't praying on a regular basis for healing and for rescue, that I felt like it never came. And I struggled with God over... How in the world can you claim to be good and abandon me in the middle of that? And I think a lot of people have that same type of struggle. They encounter very uh, horrifyingly bad things in life, and they're forced to face this question of, is God good in the middle of terrible things? And it's a hard, deep struggle. complex thing to ask of god and in fact so much so that it's really hard to understand it's hard for a human being to understand an eternal creator (laughs) redeemer perspective that's for sure that's for sure and the good news for me was that i found when i got angry and honest with god i didn't find a god who 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 yelled and said how dare you I didn't find a God who said, you can't talk to me that way. Instead, what I encountered in the midst of my most vulnerable places was a God who said, "Shh, you can't understand, but I'm here and I love you and you're welcome to to yell and vent and rage until that is exhausted. And it was a God who was patient and kind and loving in the middle of me being insulting and raging. And really, when you look at the scriptures, I mean,
2: there's
0: a lot of that rant and ranting and raving. David writes a lot of it in the Psalms. I mean, he writes a lot of stuff where he's not happy with where he's at. Oh, yeah. But he always ends up, but I know you're God, and I know you're good, and I know that you've got this figured out, but I just needed to get that off my chest. And And, and you got to a place in your life that was significant because you really got to a place of surrender. Mm-hmm. You 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 got to the end of your rope. And as I like to use that that explanation, the rope, we get to the end of our rope and we realize at the end of a rope and we we're barely hanging on to strings that all along God's been standing by our side saying, I got a rope and this one's good. Yeah. You just need to grab onto it. But a lot of times we insist on getting to the end of ours before we turn over and recognize that God's got a plan for us.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's, it, again, because God doesn't act the way we would act, it's hard to trust him sometimes. <laughs> wow.
0: Imagine, so the God we put in a box, he doesn't do what we want him to do. It's yes. not, yeah, and it's important to recognize that God's not a genie. Chris, what's so significant about your story is that, unfortunately, it's been reproduced 50, 60, maybe 80 million times in this country. And probably 50 billion times in, you know, our, okay, maybe not that many. Uh, how about 500 million or two billion times in our in our world the story of kids being damaged by their parents and and growing up damaged but recognizing and finding seeking healing through relationships with other people Mm -hmm. finding that that still leaves them empty and unfortunately not all those 50 million people come to the realization that christ is really the answer And, and you are right that you can find healing but the reason i bring that up is that we all work with people like that I mean, the majority of the people we work with today that are under 50, the majority of them grew up in homes that were split by divorce and they didn't mm-hmm. know how to deal with the damage and the pain. And so they tried to fulfill it with or try to deal with it with either um, uh, whether it's money or relationships or drugs or alcohol or food or whatever it may be. And, and it's that's the message that we bring, the message of healing, because what you said is so true, that message of healing. God can
1: heal those broken spots inside of us, restores our soul. He mm-hmm. can do it. Well, and, and we have a tendency to want to fix ourselves, which is what you described, the you know, the drugs, the money, the power, the relationship, all of those things, they're attempts to fix ourselves. And there's something that's counterintuitive about faith. And it's that healing comes when we give up. Healing comes when we surrender. And, and it's not something we can do for ourselves. It's something that has to be done for us. By something bigger than us.
0: Yeah, that surrender word is a powerful word. Absolutely. When, when you when you realize surrender, and and it is a uh, you know that's really what lordship is all about. I mean it, that that we just surrender our will and we put. Christ on the Lordship seat in our lives.
1: And it's counterintuitive because (laughs) from a human perspective, it's counterintuitive. Exactly. because we, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, trying to, you know, even in, in just our, our, one of our ideals of our nation, independence, the ability for individuals to pursue happiness. And, and those are great and wonderful things from a political standpoint, But they're not things that lead us to wholeness and healing and eternal life when it comes to spirituality or faith. Their faith has a theme of dependency and surrender and trusting and leaning on things that are unseen, which is almost the opposite of what works politically and what works for our country. Yeah, we don't go political on
0: this show; it's way too much of a temptation for me. But what's (laughs) what's really cool, though, is that I have a lot of people who go, "Well, I don't even know if a God exists," and I don't. You know, the the kind of damage that you've seen Christ restore in you is that could potentially. It is available to everyone who will ask. Mm-hmm. And and this, what I challenge people to do when I'm sitting with somebody and they say, well, I'm not even sure God exists. And I'm like, well, here's the deal. Here's a prayer that God answers every time. Father, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. And God will answer that prayer every time. If you seek him, you will find. It says it right there in the scripture. Jesus said it. You seek, you'll find.
1: Yeah. And the, you know, we, especially in, Seminary and academic situations There's this kind of tendency We, we want to ferret out the philosophical The intellectual <laughs> That's why I'm never going to seminary <laughs> We want to we come to uh, airtight arguments For God's existence and describe God's character But what I find is that People don't make decisions with their brains Not like that anyway They make decisions with their hearts and, a, and an experience of healing, an experience of God revealing himself to you is so much more powerful than any argument that, that the most brilliant minds have ever come up with. Have you watched
0: God's Not Dead,
1: the movie? Yes. Okay, that's the, the, what's described there is what I've seen.
0: I'm almost 50. What I have seen is that those that want to argue intellectually have been damaged emotionally. Mm-hmm. And those that call themselves atheists often grew up in the church and they were hurt by the church or by somebody in the church. And so they become atheists because that was their protection mechanism. That was their that was what they uh, uh, relied on in order to protect themselves from getting hurt further.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you can't you can't intellectually argue anybody in the kingdom. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but they can't refute what he's done in your life. And that's why I go back. That's the, that's the common theme. Nobody can say, Chris Hayden, that crap didn't, that didn't happen to you. That did not happen. Don't tell me it happened. And you're like, no, yeah, that happened.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> there, and there's a security that comes from that, that, that I don't, I don't have to prove God's existence. And in, and in fact, God often seems to delight In uh, uh, in avoiding proof, the futility of yeah, Yeah. he he seems to delight in hiding in the mundane and and hiding in the small thing. But
0: you say that now. You live in how old are you? 32. okay so 32 you don't even know a world without the Hubble t- the Hubble Space Telescope you don't even know a world without that I do you know the <laughs> guys were laying on the moon I was three years old okay nobody had an idea what how big the universe was they just saw a lot of bright lights today we now know that the universe is so immense it's a billion light years in every direction. And we now have pictures of things a billion light years away. Mm-hmm. So, God, you say God celebrates the mundane. We now understand the universe is as complex. And now we also know what the universe looks like inside our DNA and how complicated our DNA is. And so, the mundane, it's been there all along. Mm-hmm. And we, yet, we deny God the complexity that's in us all around us from the universe to our blood cells and the compl- i mean see in your lifetime we now know that stuff we now know that the inside the dna is a complex mechanical piece that is as complex as anything we've got out here in machinery and the universe is so unbelievable and and they still want to say well that happened by chance
1: well i mean there's the, you know uh, well i mean we're kind of going back to the intellectual arguments there are pretty good intellectual arguments about we we can measure that the universe has an age we know that it began at some time, which necessitates some kind of eternal... But again, if you talk to somebody who's dealing with uh, death or loss or abuse, or none of that matters. The stuff that matters is, is there a God who genuinely cares? Is there a God who can put back the broken pieces of our life? And the answer to that, thank God, is Yes.
0: And that's hey, we've been talking all hour long with Chris Hayden, worship minister at South Shore United Methodist Church, really on how Christ has revolutionized his life and impacted his life. But we're trying to draw it into how we could take that into the workplace. But y- you brought into the Christian chamber today, Chris, the the whole tie in to Jacob. You know, Jacob was born a deceiver. Right from the beginning of the he was pulling people's legs right <laughs> from the get
1: go, coming out of the womb. Yeah, that's literally what his name means. It means heel puller or deceiver, which is it's a, a euphemism for For being a con artist and a trickster And uh, Jacob spends his whole life uh, tricking and conning and, and, and manipulating to get What he thinks he needs And what he wants he, he steals and cons his brother Out of his birthright Out of his blessing This covenant that they had with God Through Abraham He uh, cons his, uh, his future father-in-law Out of uh, goats and, and sheep And, and he, he ends up uh, In this pivotal confrontation On the banks of a river As his brother is coming to kill him for what he's taken from him and he and he's there alone and it's there that god attacks him (laughs) and they wrestle and uh in a weird weird way jacob ends up winning and you can't see but i would do air quotes winning this fight with god and he and god you know god often defeats things by losing We see that on the cross, you know, he defeats sin and death by dying and then resurrecting. And and we see kind of a a hint of that in this story where God defeats Jacob's uh, self-reliance by losing this fight. And in winning, Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And God uh, puts his hip out of socket and, and, tells him what, and he asks him, what's your name? And he says, my name is Jacob, which means trickster and heel puller. And he says, no, you're going to be Israel, which means struggling with God. It means to wrestle. And so Jacob walks out with a limp, depending on God from then on out. And that's what defines Israel's relationship with God. They depend on God for rescue and providence. And it's what defines our relationship with God.
0: Well, and it does because Paul makes it really clear that when we become Christ followers, we become part under that promise, under the covenant God made with Israel, we become Jewish by nature mm-hmm. because of that relationship, and we do wrestle with God. I mean, I don't know how your faith has been. Well, you've described how your faith has been. I mean, I've been wrestling with the Lord for 36 years, <laughs> and, and and you, but it is, you know, that, that wrestling out your faith, and, and that's why I highlight that book at halftime so much, because it was that as a turning point where I stopped seeking what the world said was success, and I decided I was going to pursue a life of significance, where God get the glory with my results instead of me and, and that's that was a turning point in my life when as a business person I said okay enough's enough I can see that what I can do in the world that doesn't really ever answer any of my questions it, it's just so important that we tie all this back to the workplace because Chris you're, you're in the workplace each and every day as a as a minister you're also dealing with people that go to the workplace each and every day you know you got teenagers that you're helping out they're going as in, in, in fast food joints wherever they may be you're also you're leading people in, mi- in music uh, ministry street each and every sunday do you guys have saturday services too uh no okay so you're you're challenging people and the biggest message that we got today is that you've gone through a process of healing which you're not done i I know that i mean your your soul hasn't been completely restored because i know it's a lifelong process to get back to where it god intended it to be but that same healing is available to everybody we work with
1: yeah, absolutely. I
0: mean, how many times have you been able to tell your story of that kind of redemption, of that soul healing that God's been doing in your life?
1: Well, countless times. The, uh, I mean, we have opportunities to do that all the time. Again, the, the trick is, the temptation is, we, we start to put faith in ourselves and fixing ourselves. And the temptation is, this is my story that's healing people, and, and it's up to me to convert and save. And, and we find ourselves again in that same spot of, no, 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 we're dependent on God. God's the one who heals. God's the one who saves. My job is to cooperate with that.
0: Well, and I read a great book by a guy named Andrew Mason out out of California, Redding, California, and he talked about those moments, that the reason we share those stories is because we can, we're can we encouraging people in their faith that that's possible. Mm-hmm. When we share what Christ has done in our lives, all of a sudden they believe now that God can do the same thing in their lives. And that's why it's so important we share that testimony. It has nothing to do with our story. It has to do with them increasing their faith by hearing how incredible God is and how he's done it in our lives. And that's why I'm looking for you, my listeners, to become part of the I Work For Him Nation. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, I'm looking for a thousand people to make this commitment. A thousand people to start praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. I'm looking for a thousand people to look for ways to pray for and with those people each and every day. There are opportunities all the time that you've got in the workplace to pray with people. When you see that they're down and out, it's an incredible opportunity. I'm looking for a thousand people looking to serve in their workplace and at the same time produce excellent work because all of that brings glory to god go on to the i work for him website iWorkForhim.com, work i work the number for him.com and click on contact us and let me know that you want to be part of the i work for him nation hey check us out on facebook tonight too because we got lots of great pictures we're gonna be posting on facebook you're listening to the i work for him show with your host jim brangenberg i'm a christ follower who owns my own business but ultimately i work for him